Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Power play drought? What power play drought? The Lightning scored three times with a man advantage, and they blast the Bruins 7-1 to to take a 2-1 to lead in their Eastern Conference semifinal. The Bucks give more veterans a day off, including Chris Godwin, who has made only three of the past six workouts. What's going on with the Pro Bowl receiver? And the Rays beat the Orioles 4-3 to on Michael Perez's eighth-inning home run. How have the Rays managed to lead the AL East with ten pitchers injured, including five that will miss the remainder of the season and beyond? We'll discuss all that and the Rays with Times beat writer Mark Topkin on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, let's talk about uh, what happened, uh, of course, on Wednesday at night, Wednesday evening. The NBA's uh, you know, restart there in the bubble in Disney World uh, came to a halt, and, uh, and for good reason. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks refused to take the court for a playoff game against the Magic uh, in protest of the uh, police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and uh, the league then announced the cancellation of all three games that were scheduled Wednesday. Uh, And then there was a meeting of NBA players later Wednesday night. And and really, um, there's some doubt whether the the postseason will continue at all. Um, This also led to similar decisions by the WNBA, which postponed their three scheduled games uh, in Bradenton at IMG Academy and Bay teams and players and other professional sports, including the MLS. Look, we'll get into this. This is a, a sensitive issue. I think the NBA has sort of led the way at times on these um, uh, social you know, injustice uh, situations, of course, uh, going all the way back to the NFL with Colin Kaepernick. We'll see if the NFL is going to have a response to this. We know the Detroit Lions had canceled practice a few days ago. Um, I think there's going to be ripple effects, obviously. Um, but because uh, of the lateness of this uh this podcast as we're recording it, a um, little too heavy to get into. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a bigger discussion, I'm sure, uh, as the week rolls on. But I did want to mention that we're not uh, we're not ignoring that or sidestepping it. It's a major event in sports, and, and its tentacles will reach uh, deep into, uh, into all sports, I think, including the NFL. All right, let's talk about the Lightning. Uh, boy, uh, you know, it, it looked like they were never going to score a power play, right? It ended up being a streak of 16, 16 power plays without scoring. But they made up for it, and then some. Uh, three power play goals against the Boston Bruins. I mean, they broke out of that slump in a big way. And, you know, now uh, suddenly that becomes a weapon again for the Lightning, which it had been all season. 7-1 to one win over the Bruins to take that 2-1 to one lead uh, in their Eastern Conference semifinal. That's two wins in a row. And all of a sudden, the Lightning... Look like the team to beat, at least uh, in the Eastern Conference of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Andre Pilat, of course, uh, got it going for them. Uh, one interesting thing, and Diana Neros wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times, that he had switched to the right side of the power play. And um, he got him on the board midway through the first period. And then 
30 seconds later into the power play, he ripped off a, a one-timer uh, and, uh, and scored on that. So Palat and Kucherov uh, had flipped from the right to the left circles. Um, typically, Kucherov plays on the right. Uh, which is sort of like his job as a right wing, but uh, you know, I think I think the moves helped. And the second power play goal, uh, Kucherov figured into that as well. Uh, it was just a a thorough beatdown of the Boston Bruins, who I thought came out and tried to take really be real physical with the Lightning, and the Lightning didn't take the bait to their credit. Um, you know, there was a couple times when I think uh, they dropped the gloves and wanted to go and and the Lightning wouldn't, but all it did was put them in a penalty box, and the Lightning got their power play rolling. Um, Andre Vasilevsky, I thought, was was very solid again in goal. And you just wonder, like, what what kind of a of a punch back will the Boston Bruins have? I mean, these were back-to-back games. Uh, the Bruins could have taken control of this series, obviously, after winning game one. The Lightning come back with two straight wins now, uh, and uh, they look like uh, they're the team with the momentum on the roll, um, even, you know, obviously the, the Bruins pulled their goaltender. They kind of left the young guy hung out to dry at one point. It was, uh, it was unfortunate for him uh, that he was on the other end of, of, of some of that beatdown. Uh, but John Cooper, whatever him and his guys figured out, it certainly worked against Boston. And now uh, with the two games to one lead, uh, again, you got to believe uh, that the momentum is on their side and they're going to go pretty deep into these playoffs. I mean, I always thought that this was going to be a series that goes six, maybe seven games. So you're talking about elimination games here before we get too, too late into it. But I thought this was a real swing game. Whoever won this game was going to have the big advantage because now in order to win the series uh, for Boston, they have to win three of the next four games, um, you know, in order to, uh, to, to take that series. And that's going to be a difficult task indeed for them uh, to do for sure. I was at, uh, of course, out at the Bucks at the Spectrum. Well, what is it called now? I keep forgetting the name of it. Advent Healthcare System or Center, uh, and they were indoors because uh, you know I think Bruce Arians likes to get these guys out of the sun. It's been Hinedex is over a hundred degrees out there, pretty much you know all week long to be honest with you, and um, and so you know they go inside, which is which is not surprising for this time of year. Um, what was surprising maybe was that, uh, you know, it was a veterans day off again. Remember we saw, uh, I think it was last Friday. A number of these guys took time off because they were going to have Saturday as their regular day off. Well, uh, it was time for them again. It included Tom Brady, who isn't a guy that likes to miss practices. And then also not working where Rob Gronkowski makes sense. Older player adjusting to the heat. Mike Evans, the wide receiver, Levante David, he had a Veterans Day off, as did Chris Godwin. Now, what's unusual about that is that for Godwin, it was his third day off um, in the last six practices. And um, we know how valuable he is. Of course, he led them in receiving a year ago, you know, 1,333 yards, nine touchdowns. And, I mean, he's only 24 years old. So this is not a guy um, that typically likes to miss practices. So we asked Bruce Arians after practice just uh, what the deal was, specifically with Godwin. And he said, well, that's for me to mo- know and, and nobody tells to find out, which sounds ominous. Um, but in talking to the Bucks, um, some of the, the, the people that I discuss these sort of things with, they said it's really nothing to worry about. I think they've monitored, you know, some of the work that he's done in the offseason. Um, you know, these guys uh, are closely watched. Um, really, every step they take is measured. And 
Um, and Godwin, you know, works pretty hard. They look back at last year, and if you recall, um, you know, him and Mike Evans wound up missing uh, some games. He missed the final two games of 2019 with a hamstring injury. Uh, that same injury knocked Evans out of the final three games. So the sports science uh, looked at uh, the offseason workout program, um, and, you know, when you consider they didn't have any of that this year, they didn't have OTAs, they didn't have mini camps. Uh, really only two weeks of strength and conditioning, I think that they wanted to be really careful and err on the side of caution and make sure that these guys uh, are well-rested because they think that, you know, that's the sort of thing that led to those hamstring injuries in December. Um, it's cumulative, so what you do in August will have um, some kind of effect. We also talked to Arians about the kicking battle. Tell you what, if I'm Matt Gay, uh, better get going, bud. I mean, you've got a... Uh, you know, sort of a scrimmage, if you will, on Friday at Raymond James Stadium. That's going to be sort of their preseason game. I think they'll have another one before they play New Orleans. Um, but uh, he's got some competition for sure. Elliot Fry uh, is in here, and he's matching him kick for kick, if not then some. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, Gay struggled last year. Of course, he, he missed a potential game winner against the New York Giants. He ended up 27 to 35 overall, which is just 77%, well below uh, what you want an NFL kicker to be. And he was uh, 43 of 48 on extra points from 33 yards. So that's that's in some ways even more ominous. But um, uh, you know, we remember the New York Giants game with the, the two missed field goals and an extra point. Um, and then down the stretch, uh, just wasn't very good. So you bring in a guy like, like uh, Fry, who has plenty of leg, by the way. And this guy well, played for Steve Spurrier at the University of South Carolina. He was... Played for Spurrier also with the Orlando Apollos. Remember the American Alliance of Football? He went 14-14. Had a cup of coffee uh, with the Chicago Bears. Went 3-4 for four there and was picked up by the Ravens. Signed a futures contract with the Panthers. And now um, he's in camp. And, and look, Arian said it, it's really close. And the thing about Matt is, um, you know, he's got to learn to be consistent. And we talked to Keith Armstrong, their special teams coach, and said it's not – you know, it's not good away, good enough to come away and making the 60-yarder and then miss from 45. And so um, it's going to have to be a gut decision because they don't have games uh, per se really to uh, to measure it by. Um, but uh, that's something to watch is that kicking competition. Uh, another uh, wide receiver is hurt, John Hurst, who's an undrafted guy from the University of West uh, Georgia, injured his ankle. Um, so we'll have to take – Keep a close eye on that uh, as well as uh, the Bucks lose another receiver. Of course, um, they lost John Franklin, uh, who I'd written about from last chance you uh, to a knee injury uh, not not too many days ago. So uh, a couple of free agent wide receivers there that uh, were trying to make the team that might be struggling to do so uh, right now. We'll uh, dive into the Rays. Uh, let's just accept to mention um, before we talk to Mark Tompkin, uh, they had a good night. Uh, certainly against the uh, the Baltimore Orioles this is a tight game. Uh, again, how they're doing it with their pitching situation is 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 remarkable. But Mikey Perez, Michael Perez, has come up with some big hits this year. He hasn't had many. I think he's got about six hits all season. Uh, but a number of them have been uh, have been game winners, and he hits the the game winning home run in the eighth inning uh, to give the Rays a a big four to three win over the Orioles and maintain their lead in the American League East. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Mark Topkin joins us now. And Mark, uh, the big story, of course, other than the Rays' success of the first half, is that they've done it with so many pitchers going on the IL. I mean, this has just been unbelievable. I know league-wide there are a number as well. Um, But, you know, the latest, uh, of course, was Jalen Beeks. We'll talk about him in a minute. Any any idea around baseball? Any idea around the Rays? Why so many guys uh, are are becoming injured? And, and I would imagine they're they're looking at the fact that they had this restart um, after the interruption. Yeah, Rick. I think that's clearly uh, becoming reason number one, if not reasons number one, two, three, and four. Um, talking to Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder uh, the other day for a piece I wrote in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, he said it was his greatest fear uh, once they shut down camp. With, with an unknown uh, start date, and he kind of laid it out in a couple different ways. And just in short is, you know, these pitchers are, you know, it, it's a year-round business. I mean, it's not the old days where guys got done at the end of the season and then, you know, sat around or went fishing and hunting or, or took a part-time job and then showed up in spring training and started getting ready again. These guys, uh, pitchers especially, are on a very structured program with a lead-up to spring training. Most of them start throwing, you know, right at the end of the year, if not Jan 1. And they are on a very specific program building up to spring training. Uh, and then they uh, scheduling of their coaches and their team. And then they start exhibition games and they get ready for the regular season. So they went through all that. Then they shut down kind of abruptly in mid-March, as we know. And no one knew. Was it going to be two weeks? Was it going to be six weeks? Was it going to be three and a half months, as it turned out? And there was no way to kind of ramp these guys back up, much less, you know, on an individual basis. Guys did different things during the shutdown. Some threw in nets in their backyard, as Charlie Morton talked about. Some had access to gyms and pitching mounds and, and uh, technological things to measure their progress. So it was all done kind of very randomly. And then they were brought back into camps and then on an incredibly abbreviated schedule, told to get ready and to get ready for a season in which every game counts even more. Every game counts the same as three. Every game matters more than anything so you know you need to be ready to go from the start so i think you combine all those factors and that's why we're seeing this you know this outbreak this plethora of pitching injuries throughout the game yeah, i've heard you know spring training it's not an accident why they have the number of weeks they do right it's primarily for pitchers they start first um and it's it's not four weeks or two weeks it's six weeks right and and if you've seen this mark where after about a month or so, some pitchers get to what was kind of a dead arm area, right, in spring training and then have to mm-hmm. uh, kind of have that ramp up time before the regular season begins. Well, if you just do a month of this, uh, they're kind of hitting the dead arm period when they were starting to come out and, and you know, and pitch in, in games that counted again. So um, it, it's got to be frustrating, I know, from a, from a team standpoint. But personally, I mean <laughs> – these pitchers have to be a little worried about uh, just about this whole process. Well, and, and, you know, think about it, just, you know, pick, pick a person, a random person, Rick, and, and right. Not only, you know, is it, is it a team issue? They're losing a good player. It's an issue yeah. for the player because he can't help the team. But for some of these guys, it literally could change their careers. Yes. You know, the Rays, for example, have four guys uh, among their injured. And we're, we're, you know, we don't know yet the extent of Jalen Beeks's injury, but four guys that are out for the season of those four guys, 
you know, two have had Tommy John surgery already. So they're likely to miss all or most of next season as well. So mm. take a year and a half out of a guy's career. Uh, and, you know, in the case of Colin Pochet, it's his second Tommy John. You know, the odds that come back from a second Tommy John are not nearly as good as a guy from a first one. Take Gianni Chirinos, who's really never established himself. Yeah. He's going to have a Tommy John. He might miss all the rest of this year, all of next year. Then he comes into spring training 2022. Andrew Kittredge, kind of a, I'm not going to say a journeyman because he's really only been with the Mariners and the Rays, but a guy who's, you know, he was always kind of that one, one more guy. If you had 12-man bullpen, he might have been the 13th. If you had 11, he was the 12th. You know, that kind of thing on the pitching staff. And worked his way to be a key guy this year. And now he, you know, he's going to try to rehab first, but he could be out all this year and next year. What, what's his best opportunity? Maybe a non-roster camp invite? in 2022 so it's literally affects these guys careers and then potentially on a long-term basis yeah it's certainly a unwanted consequence of all of this for sure of the race pitchers and there have been a ton of them uh, you can make an argument for several guys but who do they miss the most i mean we'll say we'll assume they might get charlie morton back because that that has not uh, been determined just yet um there's a chance i guess and you can speak to that but uh, of all these players, who, who are they missing the most, do you think? I mean, I'm going to assume that Anderson and Rowe are going to be back. And, and, you know, we've been kind of told that by a number of raised people that, that was those were almost more maintenance-type things. Well, that's uh, and if you, so if you, assume, if you assume that they're going to be back, and, and if so, we'll know by next week that was kind of when the kind of that initial, you know, 10-day period or so ends. I mean, I would make a case either Colin Pochet, who was going to be arguably their top lefty, a reliever or Oliver Drake, just because of the versatility he provided. I mean, he was a guy who was a right-handed pitcher was actually one of their most effective against left-handed uh, batters. And also was one of those, you know, everyday Ollie kind of guys. He'd be happy to pitch every day. We were joking with him in training camp, you know, Hey, 60 appearances in 60 games. You might be able to do that. And he's like, yeah, why not? You know, bring it on. And so I, I think just because of how frequently they go to the bullpen, you know, his versatility and his durability, you know, and now that he's on the injured list, obviously it's not the same, but we're really appealing things. So I, I would argue both of those guys from a long-term basis, short-term, it's obviously been Charlie Morton. How have they done it? I mean, in other words, very few teams can, can lose this many pitchers, much less find themselves at the top of the American League East. Um, I know they had depth in, in, in their system, but this is getting, uh, this has been really something to watch. It has, and, and, and it's, it's hard to say not to, not to be kind of poking fun at some of these guys, but I'll preface it by saying that. But, I mean, that depth isn't like name-brand, top-shelf depth. I mean, Aaron no. Leaguers is pitching key innings for them right now. John Curtis is pitching key innings for them right now. I mean, Sean Gilmartin's been up and down a couple times uh, and helped them out a couple times. So there have been a couple of these pitchers. You know, Josh Fleming gets major league debut the other day. He gets a win. I mean, Pete Fairbanks, okay, they expected him to be doing some things. But Ryan Thompson, the rookie side-arming right-hander, I mean, some of these guys, I don't I don't know if we had sat down during one of our lavish pre-production meetings in the, in the preseason that Steve caters for us and said, you know, okay, they're going to start with, you know, 13, 14, 15 pitchers, whatever it was on that. The opening of the day was 30-man roster. They had 15. You know, who, who's 16? Who's 17? Who's 18? Who's 19? Like, I don't think we would have had some of these guys figured anyway, even looking at the 60-man player pool. I mean, some of those guys were there to provide short-term service, but they could be replaced if they needed to upgrade. So it's really been amazing, to be honest with you, how these pitchers have stepped in, give a lot of credit to Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, Dan Borowski, the bullpen coach, 
for, for not just the coaching, but the mental coaching that to do with these guys too, convincing them, hey, what you do is good enough. Hey, trust us. We're, I know you've never pitched the night like Jalen Beeks. I know you've never pitched the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium before, trying to protect the lead. But trust us, your stuff's good enough to do it. And then he did it. Mm. So g- give them a lot of credit. Give Kevin Cash obviously a lot of credit for how he handled these guys. And then the other side of that is, even though there have been days when they have looked anything but prolific, this has been a really good offense. I mean, they were leading the American League going into play last night. They're second now in run score in the American League. And the amount of uh, ways that they've been able to score runs, I mean, we've seen the long ball. We've seen, you know, the clutch hits. We've seen the come-from-behind wins. 12 come-from-behind wins now. I think it's most in the American League. So, you know, we've seen them find different ways to do this and, and arguably not clicking, you know, fully yet. I mean, there's still some guys. And two to go is certainly one. Kiermaier's another. But if you look at their numbers overall and you say they haven't been very much help, Zanino's another one except for the home runs. And yet, as a, as a unit, they have been scoring a, a lot of runs, and obviously that's been helping carry them past some of these pitching issues. Yeah, and it wasn't that way, Mark, until the, the most uh, recent road trip. I mean, I think they went on that road trip uh, with a with a, just over a 200 batting average as a team. I mean, this this was – and maybe some of that had to do with, you know, the other end of this, right, where the hitters need so many at-bats to feel comfortable. I don't know, but but it, it came alive all at once. It did. It did, and I think maybe part of that was – and, you know, this is one of those you ask the question and you don't really ever get a great answer to it, but – you know, was this, you know, maybe it's more applicable in football where you have kind of the separation between offense and defense. But did the hitters kind of say, hey, you know what, we got to put the, the, the pitchers on our backs right now? Yeah. You know, yeah. we've got to find a way to score more runs because the, the raise way isn't going to happen right now. We're not going to win a lot of 2 1 games and 3 1 games. We've got to find a way to go score five, six runs a game. And, you know, look, going to Boston helped. The Red Sox are terrible this year. It's, it's clearly uh, becoming very clear and very obvious. And, going up there they swept that four game series they scored the 42 runs and you know i think talk about something to boost your confidence that got a lot of guys going and i but i guess like i say go back to what i said a few minutes ago it's just impressive to me that they've done as much offensively despite not having contributions you know kind of the one through nine there's definitely a couple guys in that lineup that just haven't really done much lately and they've still overall been able to score enough runs no doubt um there is one guy, however, uh, Mark, that, that has sort of carried them. And uh, I think you might have an MVP candidate on that ball club. Brandon Lau, as in wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been impressive. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm trying to work on this story here over the next week or so. But you know, he's not a big guy, Rick. And, and he doesn't have, you know, bulging muscles and – you know, there's nothing about him that you would see and say, this guy is one of the best power hitters in baseball right now. And he is, and it's, it's a credit to hard work, and it's a credit to mechanics and timing and discipline. And, you know, his basic premise, and I asked him this, in fact, again on Tuesday in a different way and got a similar answer, but his basic premise is just to hit the ball really hard. <laughs> that's, his, that's his goal. That's his, his basic, you know, mantra I even said, what statistic do you value the most when you assess your own performance? You know, some guys it's batting average, some guys on base percentage, some guys OPS, some guys war, which is a metric to you know, value overall a contribution. And he said, it's easy for me, exit velocity. He just wants to hit the ball hard. He figures the harder he hits the ball, the better chance he has to get a hit. The harder he hits the ball, the better chance he has to get an extra base hit. The harder he hits the ball, the better chance he has to hit it over the fence. And, and that's his premise, and it's been working for him. 
And then the other recipe, of course, for the Rays has always been defense. They played kind of a loose game at times, although they made some great plays against Toronto in that final game of that series. Um, but but their versatility, again, and their ability to catch the ball has been huge. It is. And, and you know, Brandon Lau is a great example of that because, you know, a guy who can play the infield and the outfield, and, and you know, we saw this mold cast with Ben Zobrist way back in the day, but that the flexibility that that provides, I mean, it's one thing to have a guy who can play short and second. That's pretty common. And that same guy can probably play third for you if you need him to. But to have these guys that can play in the middle of the infield like Brandon Lau does and can go out and play in the corner outfield, and Mike mm. Brosseau is another guy. He can play the corner outfield spots. He can play third. He can play second. He can play first. They've had him do some work at short. We've seen him pitch also, which is kind of a, another benefit in this days of uh, injuries. But just these guys that provide this incredible versatility, it allows, you know, we've seen Kevin Cash almost like a like a John Cooper move where he goes to the, the line change and, you know, they see an opportunity where they've got a righty on the mound. They know he's got to stay out there because of the three batter rule. He's got two or three lefty bats on the bench. He'll just use them all. It might be the fifth or sixth inning, but he'll just use them all right there. That's the chance to win the game. He wants his best line out there, so to speak. He puts those guys in, and then you know Matt Cortura, the bench coach, is sitting there with him figuring out, okay, if we do this, we've got to put him here, him here, him here. And those puzzles work. I mean, you know, we haven't seen them yet manage themselves into a box where they haven't had, you know, enough people on the field that can play the positions they're comfortable in. And, you know, it just creates almost this, you know, we used to say this with Joe Madden, but, you know, they had a 25-man roster back then, but it played like 26 or 27. And I think the Rays have been able to do that now with the 28-man roster where it's like they're playing with 30. Yeah, the esprit de corps, as they, as they used to call it. And, and so, you know, pitching will always be uh, key for the Rays. And, and right now, you know, they hope to get Charlie Morton back and some of these other guys like Nick Anderson that you mentioned. Um, but what a sign it must have been to see Tyler Glasnow go out there and strike out 13 batters and have his best outing of the year. He looked as good as he looked, I, I would argue, at any point last year maybe. I mean, just, you know, the, you start with the physical specimen there. He, he's yeah. a six eight guy in tremendous shape i mean just you know a, a you know a, a true athletic body and then the the reach and the extension that that provides as a pitcher that 60 foot six inches probably is about 48 feet or so if you're the hitter the way you see him coming off that mound and then the velocity that he throws with and then when he has that curveball which he had spinning last night remarkably and that combination is just it, it's just i mean baffling not even a good word for what that does to a hitter it's knee buckling we saw one of the hitters, I think, in the second or third inning, just just flinch at a curveball that wasn't anywhere near him, and it just showed you the the visual aspect that that hitter is getting when Glass now delivers as sharp as he was last night. Struck out thirteen, struck out nine of his last ten, uh, and he went seven innings. The first Rays started to get through seven innings this year, so there were a lot of accomplishments last night uh, that were significant. But if they have Glass now back, and, and I think he's trending in that direction, the last two innings against Boston, the start against the Yankees, and then this start last night would give you a pretty good body of work that he is headed in the right direction, you know, physically approach-wise and everything else. And then you add to that uh, the fact that he gave the bullpen a chance to at least catch their breath uh, a little bit last night, obviously the Beaks injury aside, and he put them in a pretty good position not just last night but for tonight as well. Yeah, and of course Blake Snell is getting stretched out. I'll let you go on this, Mark. Uh, we're a little more just a game or so uh, beyond the halfway mark, which is you know only a 60-game sprint, as they say. What's the key to, to, to the rest of this season for the Rays to, to, to maintain this and, and, and who knows, perhaps hang an American League East pennant at the trap? 
Well, I mean, it, I'm going to give you two answers, Rick, because one is going to be I'm going to put a little bit of this on Eric Neander, the Rays general manager. I mean, the trade deadline is Monday, and yeah. you know, with the number of pitchers that they've lost for the season, and again, it's you know four or five that we know of at this point, and, and you know, a couple of guys that are still on the injured list that they say are getting better, but we haven't seen any progress from, such as Jose Alvarado. So, you know, four, five, six, whatever it ends up being, they've got to get some replacements. I mean, the guys that we mentioned before that have been filling in have been doing a fine job to this point, but you know, I don't think you can expect some of these guys that were AAA players last year to not just step in, but step in, contribute at the big league level, and contribute to a, a division championship caliber team. So he's got to find some replacements. The other thing is I think they've got to make sure they don't fall in the trap of feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, and, and that's a non-tangible answer. But, you know, they've done a pretty good job. Cash has done a good job to this point of, like, yeah, I know we're getting beat up by injuries. I know we're running guys out there that don't necessarily, you know, fit in these roles. We're asking them to fit in. But everybody's doing a good job. Now, if they, it's easy to say when you're winning. If they go through another 0-5, 0-6, you're going to have guys start looking around the room like, what are we doing here? So, they need to kind of keep that confidence up and play through whatever rough spots they have and not kind of get caught in that trap. Well, it's going to be a fascinating September coming up for sure and then on into October, I believe. He's Mark Tompkin. You can read him on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Mark. You got it, Ricky. All right, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with your mailbag segment. If you uh, have a chance, please go to Twitter and submit your questions. You can do that by sending them to at SportsDayTV. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.